So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. and welcome to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. My name's Hunter, and I'll be your master of ceremonies this evening. However, I do have a great friend, great co-host, and uh, what's your title, Shelby? I don't want to give you one, because I know you've got a better title going Uh, on in that head of yours. The patron saint of street corn. Okay, I really love that. That (laughs) that really captures the Halloween Horror Nights spirit. That's the the most recent one. Someone called me patron saint, and like, well, a patron saint of street corn, I guess. <laughs> can I be the the Duke of Waffle on a Stick then? Like, yeah. can we just can we go for that? Yeah. Um, I'm changing my Twitter like uh, handle as 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 we speak. But um, so if you're here, you know well by now what we are doing, and uh, at the request of our good friend over at HHN Nightmares, we are here to celebrate. Um, kind of the event, you know, it's a bit of a bummer of a season. Uh, it's, it's been a bit of a bummer of a year to be, to be quite honest, but particularly the season because all its Halloween Horror Nights people, um, just had miraculously like two and a half months free out of our schedule. And we're like, <laughs> what do we do with all this time? We have <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to see people this year. It's kind of like missing Christmas. If you're used to like getting together with your family, because like, as you and I have discussed several times, there's so many people we only see during the event season, and uh, we kind of don't get to do that this year. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, like you said, like a big family reunion every year you go, especially if you go opening night, literally everybody's there. And it's yeah. like seeing old friends you haven't seen in a year, even though some of them just live right down the street and you could see them any other time. But our <laughs> nights is the only time we see each other. It's different. It, it totally hits different. So, like, in a way to bring all of us together, we've just been celebrating the events here with HHN Nightmares. And what we've decided to do, you know, Catacombs, uh, Matt and Quint and Karen, and uh, we we made our claim to fame with doing these HHN retrospective series. It's it's what Catacombs is known for. We were the the first HHN podcast uh, focused on the scene, and that that's what we've always done. We've broken down the event years and done our histories. And actually, small little plug: Shelby and I are about to tackle our first ones as the the new leads of this podcast with HHN twenty five. Oh yeah. So, yeah, what what was that? It's a little intimidating. It is. I'm gonna be honest, like. It's 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 no exaggeration that these set the template for us, and like now we have to step into those incredibly large shoes. Yeah. 
we're just going to have to get our drink on because <laughs> Matt and Quint would have it no other way. I don't think I can drink as much as Quint. I think I might die. No, I, he's kind of like, uh, I mean, you were basically Marion Ravenswood. Like, uh, you could totally drink me under the table, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Um while we're in while while we're in like this this little bar in in the mountains but uh yeah i i think quint would 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 beat us both unfortunately oh yeah yeah so you know kind of in tune with that getting ready for our hhn 25 retrospective and just kind of being bummed about halloween horror nights being postponed to 2021 we decided to look back at the previous anniversary year, which of course was HHN 25, which was um, still probably the biggest year as far as like sheer spectacle that the events had to date. And what we are going to be discussing is we are going to be doing a deep dive into Jack Presents 25 Years of Monsters and Mayhem. Woo-hoo. So That's that 25. is a... 25 what, what was, was the first year, wasn't it? Yeah, 25 was my first year. 24 was your first year. So it's like, it's really come around because for me and you, we're probably going to mention this, but it was a big deal to be able to see this house. You know, <laughs> they've done an anniversary house a couple times. Um, of course, before the, this, they did one in 20, but they really went all out for this year. They put it in a soundstage location, and this was a... For people like me and you that have followed the event for several years before we were actually able to attend, being able to see bits and pieces of these houses that um, we had heard so much about and had developed this reputation was really cool. Like it was a big, big deal. It was just always so um, cool to hear about Horror Nights Past, especially from like people I became friends with who had gone like 10 plus years and to have them explain things to me over the years and to finally see it in person was really really interesting so i was like oh i recognize that person from uh that one house that one person told me about or i remember Mm -hmm. seeing that on the internet (laughs) yeah 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 and like there is something to be said for like so you and i have have followed the event for several years like i said but like it had to be like, we had to be like the weirdest people going into that house. And what I mean by that is like, we were the fans and and there is a larger section than just us, but like we were the fans that were like, Oh, this is from such and such. And this is from that despite never actually stepping foot in those houses. So like, I I remember distinctly going, my first trip to Halloween Horror Nights was actually with um, a bunch of coworkers. And this was one of the houses we did on that first night and like going through. And then I'm like, yeah, this is one of my first ever houses. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the dudes from the Forsaken. They're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, don't worry. Like, we've got this, like, we're going to navigate through. I can't remember. I, I don't remember if I did this opening night. I think I, I wound up missing out on this opening night, but I wound up going like, you know, the next day. Um, yeah. But my main goal for that year for 25 was to do American World in London. Cause that yeah. was, I was for sure thinking like I was going to be obsessed with that house. And I was, it's on my top five, <laughs> but yes, this one here. surprisingly shot up on like my top list. Um, I'll, it's a lot of fans favorite house, like of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So interesting to go in. And you were talking about uh, fans and finding out things on the internet. Um, it's going to be the same thing for this or next year's event with the 30th. A lot of newer fans have only gone the last couple of years or not at all. 
Like mm-hmm. there's some hardcore fans, especially on Twitter, who haven't been to the event yet, like at all, and they're obsessed. So I think it's really interesting if we get another anniversary house like this to see how they react in the yeah. anniversary house like we did. Yeah, and there, there's, of course, a lot of speculation. I mean, since we're here for HN Nightmares, or uh, HHN Nightmares, it, like, we can just look at their speculation map. Like, there's two anniversary houses, supposedly, with the Icons house and then the 30 Years, 30 Fears uh, house. So, like, the fact that these newer fans, because the event, like, by 25, it was already, like, this huge thing. By the time you and I started going with 24 and 25. Yeah. But, like, really in the last three years, it's just really skyrocketed. We saw it with American Horror Story. Then we saw it with Stranger Things. And just, like, I'm so excited to be able to have those new fans come in and check out some some favorites from the last couple years. Like, you and I were given the opportunity to with this year. Mm-hmm. And this year is kind of cool because we also got two anniversary houses in a way because we got an American Werewolf in London, which you and I bonded over because it's (laughs) our favorite horror film. Mm -hmm. And then we got this one. So like, that's, that's cool. Like 25 was a big year for both of us. Wasn't it the year for body collectors as well? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Recollections. I would also kind of consider that anniversary house. Anything that has to do with Horror Nights past, I would not anniversary, but. No, yeah, anniversary. Every year's an anniversary, so. Um, I mean. Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Never mind. You're okay. <laughs> I zoned out. Um, I uh, I totally get it, though, because just, like, the body collectors had such a reputation uh, before we got to go. So to finally be able to kind of, like, dig in where they're not in the anniversary house, but they've got their own. And it, it wasn't only the body collectors. It was also Shady Brook. True. And yeah. the body collectors. So like that's that's kind of awesome because we got to see three big things from Horror Nights past in, in that kind of way with American Werewolf and body collector slash Shady Brook and this anniversary house. 25 was a great year for the fans and it looks like 30 when it when it happens next year is is going to be along the same path. This is why you are my co-host because you're able to translate my thoughts a lot better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I've, uh, it's, uh, uh, you can be the, the R2D2, you know, like the shorter, a <laughs> little bit angrier one. And I'll, I'll be the, uh, gay British robot. I think, that, I think that's my role. Oh, so <laughs> what you were destined to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yes, finally diving in, we're talking all about Jack Presents, 25 Years of Monsters and Mayhem. So, of course, that was one of the nine haunted houses that was at 25. It was located in Soundstage 21, which is not a location that we've seen for a few years now. Um, 21 was first used for Cabin in the Woods and Resident Evil, and then it was the last used for American Horror Story Volume 2. So this is kind of the one that's like, right behind um rocket yeah it's right behind rocket not like the music plaza soundstage but the the one next to it like a huge waiting area for that one back when there used to be a queue over or a queue entrance over by minions yep yep and uh i i know they rerouted it because american horror story during 26 also used kind of that queue space mm-hmm but uh, yeah, so this is an interesting location. It hasn't been used for a few years, but it's a big location. 
So this house was announced on the 27th of August of that year, which was 2015. Oh, wow. And basically it was, it was one of the last things announced because it was the, the original house content um, was dumped all on the same day. And we had received the big announcement. The first announcement for 25, if you remember correctly, was actually that Jack was back. And that's the the infamous, uh, did you miss me? Like, I, I love that ad. Um, but yeah, so this got announced and it was like, hey, here's a celebration of our ringleader of horror, our original icon, Jack the Clown. And here's uh, how we're going to be celebrating 25 years of, well, Monsters and Mayhem. So... Um, supposedly the code name for this house was, uh, dynasty, or I've also seen it reported as history and both of those, you know, just yeah. make sense. It's, it's the history house. Um, one last little tidbit before we dive into the actual house. So this did win house of the year that year as well. That I remember, I remember hearing that. I mean, it's deserved, but yes. I think there were, it, there's a lot of factors that go into house and street of the year that a lot of fans don't know about. So I do think it was well-deserved, but in my opinion, another house that year should have won. Yeah. Well, it's, it's important to note. I mean, for, if anyone's ever been curious, like house of the year is not always awarded on the actual quality of the house, even though they pretty much go hand in hand. It's usually awarded based on stuff that you don't even consider, whether that is um, things as mundane as attendance to things that are more important for operations, like injuries in the house and like that sort of thing. It's a, it's a cumulative total. So if you ever see one, you're like, what house of the year? Um, Look, I already went through the trouble online when I was mad poltergeist didn't win during 28. Um, So like, don't, don't be me. Don't be a dummy is what I'm saying, because the team members will come for you hard and fast. Oh, they will. They yeah. will. I was there the night they announced the street of the year for uh, 26 and I was sitting in Bamp 55 and everyone was like really bummed out coming out of uh cast change. And we're like, what happened? They're like dead water, not dead waters. Uh, Frick the, oh my gosh, dead man's wharf. Yes. One street of the year. And I was like, oh man. And back then I, I didn't know what kind of factors went into it. I always thought it was like fan favorite one yeah. first street of the year. So we were all bummed. But then I, like you said, I didn't realize they take into account like um, incident, incident reports, uh, call-ins, stuff like that. So um, that I didn't realize, but now I know. I know it yeah. is how yeah. And it is, I, I mean, just not to go too far on a tangent, but it is yeah. also really fun when an underdog wins, too. Like, yes. I love that House of a Thousand Corpses won last year, just because, like, that is a location that needed to prove itself, the MIB tent, and, like, that cast and, and everyone involved, like, really deserved that. It was really cool to see them yes. pull it off. Um, back on subject before we go further into tangents. <laughs> Yes. So uh, the description for the house, if you were reading the map, it just says, relive the most terrifying moments of the past 25 years as Jack releases our catalog of creatures. I love that word catalog because like, I think like I'm just imagining Jack in like the month of March while they're building his house full regalia. He's already got the costume and it's like a Sears catalog and he's just like <laughs> flipping through. He's like, oh, yes, I really liked that one. Cause that's how Jack, when he talks, when he's not performing in my head. So, you know, um, he's just flipping through. He's, like, Oh yes. The nightingales. I really enjoyed them. And then like he orders and they show back up in like a big Acme crate, you know, 
but it's like um like a toy box. I imagine he's like picking up little toy figures and like picking them and putting them in. Oh, that's clever. So what if Halloween Horror Nights is just like the Disney Infinity uh, <laughs> of the event? Like he just he puts them on a little base station and they show up. Oh man, does that mean I can control like Jack the Clown running through uh American World of London? I mean, that's pretty great. I, I think we're on to something and I'll be in contact with Universal PR as soon as we end this call. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So let's go ahead and dive into the house because there's a lot to discuss here. So this one, uh, talk about a hell of a facade because as soon as you enter that soundstage, you are uh, basically slapped in the face with this like giant outdoor area, which of course was the, um, the, the iconic face of Jack that was used everywhere that year, surrounded by carnival lights. And then on little like turnstiles, turnstiles isn't the right word. What would you describe them as? Turntables. Did you say turn signals? Turntables. <laughs> turntables works better. Turn signals. I'm now I'm imagining Jack in traffic and he's like <laughs> flipping his blinker because he's very polite, you know, all things considered. But yeah, turntables, which features art of the various icons that are featured throughout the house. So yeah, I know there's one the, for. They use oh, go the, on ahead. The, sorry, they use that art um, also in the street, in the 25 year street. Oh, yeah, you're totally right. They were above yeah. each of the icons. So. It was storyteller, usher, director, caretaker. Um, the only one that wasn't in the street is Jack. And he's also spinning around on the, the big turntables, turn signals. <laughs> and and that art is very distinctive because it was kind of unlike anything else that we had seen that year as far as from like the art output. Like you weren't able to buy any merchandise with those prints, which I thought was interesting. Unfortunately, but the artist is online on, on Twitter and Instagram under you found Jacob with a C, I think. Okay. So cool. if you want to check out his art, he's still posting stuff. Uh, I think he just illustrated the jungle cruise board game that came out recently. Oh, that's awesome. So, Oh, sorry for plugging a Disney merch, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> go get your Ravensburger um, jungle cruise board game. But yeah, so you walk in there and then you've got the giant painting of Jack with the lights and then you've got these turn signals. I I mean, mean, turntables spinning (laughs) around doing their thing. And like, it just really sets the mood for everything going forward. You're like, man, I am about to enter something very special. And it was uh, it was a really cool moment. Like it's it's hard to describe like you and I talked about it real quick, but it's hard to describe being a Halloween Horror Nights fan, but not being able to attend the event, what that was like actually right. walking into something and being like, like I've tried my best to avoid cursing on this stream. So bleep it out if you have to, but like, it was really one of those Holy shit moments. Like, wow. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm finally doing it. Like I'm, I'm going to see Halloween Horror Nights original content. Yeah. And from being fans online for so long. Yeah. It was that, like you said, that holy shit moment. Like, oh, I'm here. This is it. I finally get to experience something that I've been looking at online for so long. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like having an internet girlfriend. And then, like, <laughs> you finally meet, but she's everything you've ever wanted and more. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. So... As soon as you enter in, um, so you go through those flaps through Jack's face. You're in a scene from The Hallow. Um, so The Hallow 
was actually one of the haunted houses that was featured at 18 with Reflections of Fear. So it's one of the Bloody Mary houses. And this was a um, house that celebrated kind of the traditions of Halloween. So this room, when you went in, you've got jack-o'-lanterns and like something that really sticks out from this is like the smell of this scene was super distinctive. It smelled like... It was such a short... It was like an herb smell, right? Yeah. It was such a very short scene, though. If you like... If you weren't paying attention, you would have missed it because you go straight into the next scene right after that. Yeah, it's like just enough where you're like, oh, this is cool. But it's it's more of like a transitionary hallway. But yeah. it's it's cool that it's there. Yeah, Hollow is one of those houses I wish I could have done because it was so neat. Yeah, it, like you and I have talked about it, but like I am just such a sucker for anything like traditional Halloween that yeah. I... I I think it's cool, and, like, I'm bummed I missed that one. Um, but after you're done with the Hollow, we go into what I believe is Scary Tales, right? Yep, Scary Tales, Once Upon a Nightmare, specifically. So this was actually during 18 as well. I think this was the other uh, tent location that year. I'm not sure. Not important. But, yeah, no. <laughs> this, one, this one focused on... Uh, I think it was the Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland was specifically what the Scary Tales was focused on. But when you go in, it's like you see Red Riding Hood on the right. I believe that's Red Riding Hood because she has the wolf's head in her hand. Yes. She jumps out. And this is where, this is the room that started um, HHN Bear, I'm pretty sure. Yes, it is what started the bear, bear, bear. (laughs) Bear, like, uh, and you can actually find footage of bear dancing uh, online, which I think is great. But this is uh, this is what started. I'm going to quote my good friend uh, Drew from Inside Universal, or, or actually, I believe it was Brian. But um, upon discovering that bear didn't dance during HHN 28, he said, "Look, you've got a responsibility. If you put on that bear costume." And people start chanting for the dance. You've got to dance, man. Like, there's no getting around it. And this is where, like you just said, this is where that legend started. Yep. When you walk into the room, I believe it's on the left, there's the bear puppet. Yes. scares you first. Yeah, it's on the floor. He's eating a body. He's a little wiggly head. Um, And he's distracting you from the real, the real deal. The big boy himself. Yes, the big boy. So if I remember correctly, the bear that's eating Goldilocks is Mama Bear. And then Big Bear is Papa Bear, the one that pops out at you. Um, I think we kind of looked over it, but isn't this where we get that, like, Jack the Clown in wolf costume as well? Is it? Hold on. I thought it was, like, right before you entered this. He pops out, he's like... I know he doesn't actually say it, but it's always sounded like meow, like a cat to me. Oh, I don't remember. I'm going to have to go through a video again. <laughs> I've just always thought that look was so interesting because it's like, <laughs> here's Jack in his like ringleader uniform. But what if he was also wearing wolf's clothing? Like, <laughs> do you guys like that? I'm into that. This is one of the years I wish I could have gone on the unmasking tour because I don't know if this was included with unmasking. If you I believe like, so. Oh, man, I would have killed to go through this house, and I'm asking. That would have been great. Yeah. Um, so what is after Scary Tales? Oh, you were just talking about it. 
Yep. So right after this, you walk into the Forsaken. And the Forsaken was from 21, so we're jumping ahead a few years. Um, The Forsaken was basically an original take on John Carpenter's The Fog. And kind of, uh, I think it's also got like a little bit of Lovecraftian mythology to it Mm -hmm. as well, right? Yeah, a little bit of In's Mouth in there. Yeah. So uh, The Forsaken was pretty distinctive because what a lot of people talk about from that house is the tilted floor. Um, so with the tilted floor in that, um, that was actually the scene where you've got two crew members, which are basically like the, the people from the, the fog, if you've seen that movie. Um, but basically they are jumping or actually dead man's wharf. is like a good example too, if you started going, uh, during 26 or or beforehand, Mm -hmm. but you've got these two crew members and they're basically like swinging back and forth while you're navigating on this tilted walkway. So as someone who had gone through a couple houses earlier that night, didn't experience anything like this. Like this was disconcerting. This was Hunter like really freaking out. Not, not like to the point where he was like, Oh my God, I'm not going to make it through. But I was just like, these madmen, these absolute <laughs> fools are making me traverse this crooked floor. And uh, this is how I die. And honestly, <laughs> if I did, I was okay with that. But, you know, it, it's cool. I remember grabbing onto one of like the nets that the scare actors would swing on. Yes. <laughs> or the ropes, And they came up and scared because I didn't see him. I grabbed the rope and he came up and scared the crap out of me. It was great. <laughs> Uh, that it's was the good. first tilted hallway I experienced in Horror Nights. Yeah, and then yeah. They pretty much did them like almost every year since then. Yeah, I mean the one that comes to mind that's like the most popular, I think, for a lot of people, of course, is Dead Waters from yeah. twenty seven. Just because, like, that was cool. You went into a sunken ship and then had to navigate this crooked thing while this creature is like popping out of this doorway to grab you. Like that that's super distinctive. In oh, that house was gorgeous. And then they did it again in Seeds of Extinction. Mm-hmm. I don't think we saw it last year, did we? During twenty nine? Mm. I don't think we had it during twenty six either, but I could be wrong. I don't think they did it in twenty six. We could also just be misremembering things. Um, we're we're reaching that point in our yeah. fandom where things are, are starting to blend together a little bit. Not only houses we didn't walk through, but houses we did walk through <laughs> are starting to blend together. But yeah. so the next room is super interesting because like this is a room I remember very fondly because we've seen this room kind of reused a couple times. Uh-huh. And that is actually the um I, I believe it's supposed to be the Kane funeral home. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, the only place you see storyteller through the whole house. She's. Yeah, I think it's just like a picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you enter this room, and the reason I say it's so distinctive is because we saw it two years later in American Horror Story twenty seven in the asylum scene. Yeah. Um, but there is this this wonderful gag which has been used in haunts and like magicians used it for a long time before then but it was a um, it's a mirror gag where basically you're looking into this mirror and they seem very very far away and then they literally just turn a corner and boom they're right there in your face and what made this one so distinctive is it was the caretaker that was doing it yeah they did it in uh dead exposure in 2018 as well on the subway yep yeah you're right so, uh, yeah, so you go through that scene with the caretaker in the funeral home. And then, and this then... Is where, sorry, this is where the at the end is the storyteller uh, portrait, like I was saying before. Gotcha. Um, I just thought it was poor. And then after that, 
you see an icon from Horror Nights Past that a lot of people really want to see as an icon come true, and that's Cindy. She's sitting in her little crypt. It's it's like it's one of my favorite scares that I've seen at the event. I don't I don't think I've ever seen it used more effectively than Scarecrow the Reaping. Yeah. But I love that. And Scarecrow is a bookshelf here. It's like a sarcophagus, like coffin thing. Um, but I just love that where you've got like this empty hallway, and then you have something coming out of this like inanimate object. It's it's so good. Yeah, a lot of people really want to see Cindy. If you don't know about Cindy, she was supposed to be an icon. And rumor has it that there were a lot of um, crimes being committed that year that involved children. And they didn't want to have a child as the icon. So they just used caretaker again. Yeah. Um, So Cindy and alongside Eddie, Eddie, everyone knows about Eddie. um, They've both just been kind of the not icon icons. (laughs) And they just kind of exist. (laughs) Yeah, it is a shame that Eddie has gotten... Eddie has kind of like gotten a bit of a reputation at least amongst the hardcore fans he's even on the artwork this year but like cindy deserves that um not only do we want more diverse representation in the icons just like she's got a really cool story to her Mm -hmm. and like they've shown i think for the last two years like they've shown that animatic with kind of her story and like the totems and everything like that Mm -hmm. and i just i think she's got so much potential to be something i think so too i think we should have an adult Cindy, because I still think having a child icon is still a bit touchy. Yeah. Um, but I think if we had like an adult Cindy or like a, a version of Cindy that isn't exactly Cindy, but you know, like they kind of take her story and evolve it a little bit and just give us another female icon. Just do it. <laughs> so just curious, would you ever be, I know this is like sacrilege to some people listening and they're going to shut off right now. Like, <laughs> What if Albert like dies and Cindy's like, well, I'm the I'm the next caretaker. She takes it up like the Batman mantle. That'd be so cool. I okay, like- so you're into that too. Yeah. Okay, cool. I I just think that'd be like well, here, look, you don't want Albert to die. First of all, I don't think he can die. Um, <laughs> but secondly, like, what if what if he's just like, I'm getting too old for this shit? And he like <laughs> hangs his little top hat up and then like passes it down to Cindy. Oh, that'd be so cool. Okay, cool. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> okay. Um, after you see Cindy, you work your way through the hallway. There's a bunch of portraits, some dudes popping out of the windows. Um, do you know what the characters are that are popping out of the windows? Are they related to Caretaker? Um, I believe they're... I'm not too sure because the, the scene that I remember distinctly right after this is from the Wyandotte estate. Yes, hold on. Yeah, but I do want to mention this hallway real quick because it was my first ever shit my pants moment at (laughs) Halloween Horror Nights with Jack the Clown. Because at the end of this hallway, I distinctly remember he must have had an eye on me because I was still first night, super nervous, and uh, walking through, and then Jack, like, completely wrecked my shit in his (laughs) polka dot costume. He, like, popped behind a curtain and stamped his foot. And um, it, it really knocked me on my ass. <laughs> um, I don't remember this hallway as much as I should, but it's so pretty. Um, but right after this is uh, something you like. Actually, it's something we both like, but it's something you are very fond of, and that's the Universal Monsters. Yeah. 
So supposedly this pulls from the Universal Monsters House of Horrors. It kind of looks like an amalgamation of a bit of everything, like that Wolfman mm-hmm. that's in this looks very like the ripped from the Silver Scream, like Benicio del Toro, uh, Wolfman to me. But yes, so I do love that they managed to fit the Universal Classic Monsters in there, and of course that's a big deal because, uh, well, to be frank, Dungeon of Terror was very Universal Monster heavy. And that was the first ever house. So you kind of needed their representation. And this is a room that I just remember like being jam packed with scare actors. And it felt like you were getting attacked from all sides. Like it It felt like it never ended. Yeah. My favorite, my, my favorite scare is different, but one of my favorite aspects of this section is bride. When she comes down the staircase, Mm -hmm. there's like her shadow, hanging in the like looming in the staircase and then she'll like take two steps down to get you and i yep. always feel bad for that scare actor i'm like what if she like missteps and falls <laughs> not all people are as not as coordinated as me and you so i feel <laughs> like we have to remember that i mean i would be horrible in that situation um i remember the frankenstein's monster also being very height appropriate so to have like this seven foot tall man pop out and try to grab me was uh very disconcerting but uh yeah this this started really a love affection with the universal monsters which i think if you love halloween horror nights you naturally have a love for the monsters just because there's a lot of that legacy and plus the universal history but like this was a big deal and uh i feel like it's also part of the reason that i had such a fondness for the house last year i just always remember going into the dracula's bride's room and just the wind that they had blown around in that room to make their costumes and the curtains just flow everywhere. It was chaos. I loved it. Yeah, that was the room right after. But do you remember right before you went in there was the Phantom of the Opera scene? Oh my God, um, that was the it, first time. That was, This is my favorite scare. It was the first time I had been scared the whole year with yep. me going into this house and Phantom of the Opera and his pipe organ. It would blow air. Oops, sorry. It would blow air. Um... And I'm going to be honest, I jumped like 10 feet back right yeah, now. It was uh, so you you really captured the feeling. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Um, it was kind of like a mini like maze of mirrors too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't um, Hunchback in there too? Yeah, Hunchback was, I think he was technically the last like section before you went into, was it uh, Vampire? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, or was uh, it Gothic or was it? I think I can't remember. I think it goes Castle Vampire and then Gothic. Okay, because I remember the the gargoyles. Yeah, and that was a so Castle Vampire is great because like that is one that had quite a reputation. Like people really liked that house. Is it and that? Or I thought for the longest time it was Dracula's Brides. Well, Castle Vampire, like they are Dracula's Brides, I think, but um. Castle Vampires, like, also, I think it's one of the oldest houses featured in this because it was 2004, if I remember correctly. Oh, wow. Um, which was a long, long time ago. But Castle Vampire was interesting because, remember, that one was actually two stories. So you actually, like, had to climb stairs. And it featured, like, every type of vampire. Like, there were the raving vampires Man. from, uh, I guess, like, Blade would have been the template for that. <laughs> And then you had uh, like your classic vampires and just like, I'm super curious what a two story 
HHN house was like, to be right. honest. Before the days of ADA compliance and having to have everything. <laughs> well, let's be honest. Like, not not to throw anybody under the bus. I'm sure they had, uh, <laughs> I'm sure ADA compliance was something that needed to be done. But Universal was such a wild dog during that time. They just did whatever the fuck they wanted. True. I bet they had, like, a, a shortened version. Like, if you were in a wheelchair, you could you bypass the second level. What if it's like a themed elevator and like the bellhop is like in full vampire regalia? That would be amazing. They would never, but that would be amazing. <laughs> so yes, you, you go through that, that castle vampire scene and then you uh, go into uh, Gothic, which this was a scene that was very distinctly burned into my memory just because like I was so excited to walk into this room um, and Gothic was was relatively new. That was a 2012 house. But like looking back at my friends who once again, remember, these people had gone to Halloween Horror Nights. I had not. And I was telling them what was in the house, like looking over. I'm like, oh, it's the cathedral from Gothic. Look over the edge. Look over the edge. And I look over the edge and I promptly get my shit wrecked by the gargoyle. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And this is one of those like. You and I both have a fondness for this. Of course, for me, it's it's Ghost Town, uh, the Curse of Lightning Gulch. But like, whenever they do like that perspective with the mirrors, where it's like, oh, it's so much bigger than it actually is. Like, it's it's a cool scene. Yeah, it's it's taking that Disney magic and making it scary. <laughs> no, uh, but no, one of my favorites was the Stiltwalker gargoyle at the very end of the hallway. I just always have a fondness for Stiltwalkers inside of houses. I just don't yeah. really think it's a, a feat to include such a large scare actor in a house, like in the building. I just always yeah. think it's cool. And the best part is they literally have feet, which I think <laughs> is great. Um, the one I always think of for stilt walkers in houses is actually Hive. So I hope we get like a little bit of that because like I love those tall Nosferatu boys. Yeah, I, I always think of uh, Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, with the mantis ghost. They had the the big room to themselves in the scrim. That was great. And they kind of look like they're just vibing. Like, they just kind of, like, tilt back and forth and, like, enjoy the ambiance. Okay, so after this, it was another big, big moment for me, and I'm sure it was for you, too. But we went into Nightingale's Blood Prey. This is one I always wanted. Another one I'd always want to experience because everyone always told me like, "Oh, they you went through the trenches and the scare actors were above you." And I'm like, "What? That's cool." Yep. I actually got to experience it and their little ugly faces. So let, let's discuss real quick. We've got a couple of extra minutes. Where do we sit on the nightingales thing? Do we prefer ancient nightingales or do we prefer the World War One nightingales? World War One. Really? Okay, yeah. I think I prefer the ancient ones. Wow. I don't I feel like it's such a cool concept. It's never been done before to literally walk the trenches of World War One and have monsters attacking you on either side. Oh no no no, I'm sorry. So as far as the house, yes, I definitely prefer oh, that. Okay. I was actually talking about the creature design themselves. Oh, okay. The creature design I think the the bird faces from yeah. The, okay. From the ancient ones. I'm, I'm glad we agree. There's something about the like wide open mouth that like never completely worked for me, but like they really got me last year. Yeah. But house wise, the first one. Totally. Totally. 
Um, and like that is a very sensitive like area for some people I know, like war and a haunted house. Yeah. So like I, I think it does deserve um, for it to have the reputation that it does. Like that's awesome. Um, but like this was a big scene because you had the tanks like you were going through the trenches. You were having these nine gales jump over you and attack you from the sides. Like this is why this house basically had to be in a soundstage, it seems. And like they totally used it to its fullest capability. Yeah. I wish I really could have experienced it. I hope we get something like that again, where you're walking through like trenches and having things above your head. I know they kind of did it with um, Blood Pit a little bit. Like, yeah. With the- lion above you but there's only so much you can do in a tent when it comes to height mm-hmm. so i, I want to see something like this again totally so after that you go into beloved haunted house um beloved or hated depending <laughs> on which side of the fence you're on you're you pass by a short little scene from havoc dogs of war i don't remember that scene it's very short, but uh, just just look for our uh, our bald headed men and women representing the uh, the havoc. Oh folks. wait, I do. I it's so vague in my memory, but yeah, I kind of remember. I, that was one of those things I pointed at in my roommate. I was like, "What the hell is that?" She's like, "Oh, it's something." I was like, "Oh, it just never stuck in my brain." <laughs> it's something. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Going into a fan favorite house right after this, going all the way back to 2007, you actually walk through Psychoscarapy, Home for the Holidays. And this is something I've always liked when HHN does. I always kind of like when they've got a little bit of Christmas, a little bit of Halloween going on. My only request is, if you guys ever do this again, like like, like you did with Krampus during 26, I think that was like the last Christmas-focused thing that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, just keep it open. Like, keep it open through December, please. Like, even if you don't have scare actors, let me at least walk through it. Come on. Just give me, like, Grinch covered in blood with a chainsaw. <laughs> Tying it back to uh, the old Seuss Landing scare zones, right? Grinch miss uh, blood pit. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Grinch miss blood pit sounds like the show of my dreams, but it needs to be a musical. Grinch miss hell on Mount what is it scrum what is the mountain called oh now now you're testing me i have no clue <laughs> crumpet crumpet yes crumpet. you're right ah. you can have uh you can have max run out and like he's just got like instead of little puppy paws he walks on four chainsaws <laughs> <laughs> big spiked collar yes Devil Cindy one. Lou, she's like uh, Cindy Lou is like Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road. Like she's just like we got to take down that son of a bitch. <laughs> Holy shit! We just came up with the house. <laughs> I uh, I'm on board. Post apocalyptic uh, Grinch miss is, is what we need at the event. So Universal, <laughs> if you're listening. So yeah, Psychoscarapy home for the holidays. We get that chainsaw Santa Claus. And then the final room of the actual house is, um, it's referred to as Jack's makeup room. So, <laughs> like, you know, he's he's got to be ready. He's got to be ready to put on a show with uh, Carnival Carnage just up the way. So he's getting ready, and here you're surrounded by several of his minions, and it's like a, it's a mannequin room, uh, which we've seen every single year at Halloween Horror Nights. But there's several figures of Jack, and there's several of his cohorts 
jumping out at you. I always think mannequin rooms are so underwhelming and such a cheap version of a scare, but it's a cheap version of a scare for a reason because it works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I, I will actually say, I think the best execution that I've personally seen of that room is actually from us last year. I thought that was very effective. Yeah. That kind of worked. Um, I like that you got pinballed around the room. Yeah. But yeah. there was one, um, what was it? it was dead exposure and you already can't see in dead exposure. So having the mannequins just kind of added to it. Um, but I always feel like it for this house, having just a mannequin room as your finale was kind of a letdown. Yeah. Like you've, we've discussed it several times before, but like, it's really hard to end a haunted house. I think Yeah. like, how do you effectively do it? Like, um, for me, the one that I always go back to, even though it was a very short thing, and I know you'll appreciate this, like Crocolion. Crocolion yeah. is the way to end your haunted yeah. house. You always and I, have, I feel like you always have to end with something big. Uh, Crocolion, uh, even Freddy versus Jason, having yes. him up on a stage, like having something big and boisterous and vibrant to draw your attention as you exit, and then at the exit have one extra scare. Yeah. And that's never been as much of a problem um, as I think with Dead Waters. I think Dead Waters was the one that immediately comes to mind where it just kind of like ends and you're like, man, this is a great house. Where are the final two rooms of it? Um, For me, uh, talking about IPs, like I think, um, well, just a couple come to mind. Like, I think you'll agree with me here. An American Werewolf in London, it ends like the movie does and it ends great. Oh, yeah. The, I love the, walking uh, out. Anything that ends with like a large puppet like that is okay in my book. <laughs> yeah. And you bum, 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 bum. Like, yeah. I, I love walking out to that. Um, um, Ghostbusters. I, what was that? Ghostbusters. Yeah. With Stay Puffed and We Came, We Saw, We Kicked It's Ass. Yeah. Anything yeah. that ends on a high note. Uh, I, it's it's Halloween. It's horror. You don't have to always end on a high note. It should be scary. But if you end your house on a high note, you're always going to have your guests walking out of there smiling and having a good time. Um, even what was it? Depths of Fear had a big sort of ending. They had the mm-hmm. the mouth brooder at the end that walked down the hallway, and then you had two extra stairs in that room. So I think that house ended well. But yeah, back to um. uh, monsters and mayhem just ending with a mannequin room not counting what's outside when you exit yeah well we're not counting really stingers as like your final room you know like those are nice but like there's also like this interesting territory where it's like how do you divide it up because like take for instance texas chainsaw massacre from the year after Mm -hmm. you get that great scene of sally jumping through the window if you timed it properly, but then like you're in this outdoor section, which is also kind of a stinger, but is still kind of the final part of the house. So it's like, where do you draw the line? Right. When it comes to uh, like Texas Chainsaw, uh, Halloween, Depths of Fear, that final scare is the one as you're going down the ramp. Gotcha. I think right before you leave the house, that's the final scare of your house. Anything after that, I don't think counts as the house. Sure, sure. Just my personal opinion. You can think otherwise, but that's just how I I think. No, I agree with you. And I do think there's something to be said at like, 
There is a place for that, and I actually think it's very effective. The example that people talk about all the time is from Halloween at 24, Mm -hmm. how you'd basically be leaving and then you'd be walking for five minutes and then you get that like that final little Michael scare. Yeah, it's the uh, false sense of security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not expecting it. Yeah, we're out of the house, made it, and then you get scared again. But So, yeah, the... Oh, go on ahead. Oh, I was going to say it segues into what is outside of this final Jack room. And what is that, Shelby? It would be Meets Meets. Yes. Meaty Meets and Eddie, actually. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. Eddie and Meaty Meets uh, from Leave it to Cleaver are ready to greet you outside. And it like it's a nice little walk. Like It's not like super far or anything like that like you're not like halfway across the park before you bump into it but like it is a nice little stinger scare and i like that you were able to fit in two more iconic characters outside of the house yeah and we haven't really seen anything like that since especially like out outdoors in the the sound stages and stuff no definitely not in the sound stages i'm trying to like i think texas chainsaw is like the last one that really comes to mind for something outdoors that was really scare focused yeah or, I mean, Depths of Fear kind of had it, but it was at the beginning of the haunt where you go through the tunnel. Yeah, 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 you're right. Um, now, like, I would really love to see something implemented like that with the Universal Monsters. Like, could you imagine, like, you're, like, walking through your pathway and then out the end, like, Dracula hands you a dollar and he's like, <laughs> I'm good for it. Oh, God, I hate you. so yes that brings us through the or excuse me to the end of jack presents 25 years of monsters and mayhem so where how do you feel about this house as a whole like does it deserve its reputation i yes and no because i take me back to 2015 and i would have said it's one of the best haunted houses i've experienced of all time um if I was a Horror Nights fan, I mean, if I was, I am, uh, who had been going for 10 plus years and experienced that house, it would have been amazing. I would have lost my tiny mind. I already lost my tiny mind, but I would have lost it again. (laughs) Um, I think it would have been the best haunted house. But since then, we've had so many good houses. Yeah, we really have. Exceeded. But that's a good thing. That's called growth. Um. I think it's great. It's a great house, but it was not my favorite that year. I mean, you and I are biased because American Werewolf. But I also think I had a better time in Body Collectors, too, that year. Yeah, yeah. And and I think Body Collectors is the one when we did our uh, Fear Presents HHN 30 is the one that that made it out from this year, if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but... Mm -hmm. Um, go back and listen to the episode. Send us an email, hunter at neozaz.com. Um, but so the the thing that I've always struggled with this house is like, I I love this house. Like this house was so important for getting me like really cemented in Halloween Horror Nights. And like, it it's kind of part of the reason I'm here today. Like I've shared several times while we're doing this retrospective about how I loved walking through this house and like just pointing out things. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like it's nightingales. It's Gothic. It's havoc. Like all of that is so much fun. And like, that's, that's what we're doing today. Like we're reminiscing on something that means a lot to us, but I do think the best houses at Halloween Horror Nights are the ones that work without you having prior setup. Yeah. Um, 
there's some that can kind of toe the line a little bit, like graveyard games. I think whether or not you uh, understood the story of graveyard games and did the messenger interaction or not, that house still, for the most part, I'd say like 90% works without that knowledge. It just works better with it. This house, um, I think it varies quite a bit more just because it very much is a greatest hits for the fans of the event. And that's why it's never quite cracked my top five. Does it crack my top 10? Maybe. But I like houses that kind of have a coherent narrative and theming throughout it. And that's why this one is not super high for me. But I also understand its significance in establishing me in the Halloween Horror Nights fandom. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Um, It's not as high on my list because it doesn't have a straight narrative. But let's say, let's take Slaughter Cinema, for example. Slaughter Cinema didn't have a straight narrative. It was you walking in to movie after movie after movie. But each room had its own sort of title sequence. Mm -hmm. And now let's say we take this anniversary house and we say Jack presents best of and each room you're walking into has a title sequence, has a facade, has something different you're going into. Kind of like how American Horror Story had their entrances to the season. Um, Would it be better then? Because then it's kind of, it's still the best of, but it's got a little bit of narrative going for it. Sure. What I would actually do if I was ever presented with that. And like, so it is, it is hard because like, I know certain people are listening and they're like, well, like you just really don't have the space for that. And like, that's the most common criticism that I've heard about slaughter cinema is that half the house is not dedicated to scares or show scenes. It's like set up for what you're about to go into. And I understand that it works for me and it works for you, but not everybody. But like how I would do it is I would divide it by decades. So I would be like the first 10 years of HHN and literally do it like, okay, here's my theme park comparison. I would almost do it like the great movie ride of HHN. So basically like here's the first decade and you'd have like, a projection that just like quickly went through the stuff that you're about to walk through. Here's the second decade. Here's the third decade. I think it'd be cool. I think you could also have, um, let's say like TV screens or something like that, kind of playing old Horror Nights commercials, old Horror Nights clips um, before you go into each decade. I love that. I love that. They're going to take our ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes, they are. But like, say for next year, if that that rumored icons house comes true, like, as long as there's an overarching narrative, it doesn't matter that I'm seeing Jack, then the caretaker and so on, because like the house is themed specifically to the icons. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm getting involved with. Yeah, I I mean, like you said, if you didn't know um, anything about this house going in, you would be very confused. And I feel like if this house had had more of a narrative and more of an explanation as to what you were seeing, more people would have liked it, especially newer fans. But not everybody's like us. Not everybody looked up what Horror Nights was on the internet, who these characters were. Sure, Um, sure. But yeah, that's kind of... I'm losing my train of thought, but that's just kind of my point. Like, you need... A more like I keep saying the word narrative, but you need more of a narrative to these uh, best of houses. Sure. The house needs to translate to those who didn't read the map description, you know, yeah. or the website. So like, I mean, an easy fix for this house that I think could have made a world of difference 
is like literally just have Jack up on one of the turn signals. I mean, turntables. Um, have him up there and like he's got, he's basically being a barker. He's like, come one, come all, come witness 25 years of monsters and mayhem, encounter the Wolfman, encounter our Nightingales, like that sort of thing, yeah. like would totally put the bow on top of it, Absolutely. I think. Absolutely. 100%. But uh, that's another thing. A lot of people complain about this house, not a lot, but some, that there isn't enough Jack. And it's like, well, it's Jack presents. It's not exactly Jack's house. It's him presenting Horror Nights history. Jack is up on the stage down the street. If you want more Jack, you can go see him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he had his own room. So, you know. I just think it's great that he was able to take a break from doing his makeup to come scare us a few times in the house. <laughs> and then run up the street to do the show. I can't believe I got to see him in the house and then he ran all the way across the park to the show. I just the work dedication of this guy. It's like I wonder if it's like the Mickey Mouse situation, like he can't appear in the house while he's doing the show. There's only one Jack the Clown. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well that's going to bring us to the end of our 25 years retrospective. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to us. Uh, once again, we do want to thank HHN Nightmares for having us on so we could discuss uh, something we love. And like this is a very close personal year to us. So thank you so much. If you want more HHN 25 coverage, um, we have that coming very, very soon. We're going to be breaking down every single house from that year. The shows, uh, the scare zones, all of it's going to be tied into a multi-episode series. And I'm just very excited to dive into that. So, Shelby, it's going to be so long. It is going to be long, but like, you know what? The year deserves it. Shelby, sitting here recording it for hours. It's going to be so much. We're going to start at 8 p.m. and we'll end at 3 in the morning. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) Shelby, thank you for joining me, though. Yeah, thanks for having me. I got nothing better going on. No. So yeah, if you enjoyed us, make sure to subscribe to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights if you haven't already. And you can have more of this fantastic bullshittery whenever you want. There's so many episodes of Catacombs. But for now, for Shelby and for myself, uh, what, what was I, the Duke of Waffle on a Stick, and you yes. were? The patron saint of street corn. That's right. <laughs> Stay spooky, friends. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a news as internet entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at newsaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at newsaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Newsaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash newsaz. Thanks for listening.